What's the common types of losses that you normally deal with? And then how do you assist in that process? That, I'm actually still dealing with some Hurricane Ian claims and individuals that have lost their houses. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Property Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Laframboy. I'm Mark Goldwich. We are public insurance adjusters. Uh, we have a podcast about all things related property, and today's guest is Tommy Whitehead from Tomco Solutions. He's a licensed residential contractor. Tommy, thanks so much for being here. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and uh, how you came to be in your career you know, here today and, and, and how Tomco came to be? Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor to be on your podcast. You got some great tips and I'm glad to be a part of those now. So oddly enough, I used to be a director of finance. So talking about shifting career gears, about 10 years ago, I was in accounting and finance for hospitality operations. Uh, the market kind of changed and I got the opportunity to move into what's called uh, rental renovations. And so it was large companies snapping up properties, uh, renovating them and holding them for rental. And so I got the opportunity to work as a project manager. And over the years, I stepped out of that industry, but stayed in construction, uh, obtained my own license and became a contractor and started working for those types of companies and direct for homeowners for insurance restoration, for kitchens and baths, for doors and windows, for all kinds of residential construction projects. Very cool. Um, I guess since you touched on it, and you mentioned losses, sometimes you're dealing with insurance claims. Is there some simple advice you want to give to homeowners out there that are going through, you know, real rough time with whether a pipe leak or some of the variety of things you deal with? So contacting professionals right away helps. Uh, you know, your insurance company, it's got their own agenda and hopefully they're trying to take care of you. But having a licensed adjuster, having licensed contractors assist you through that process is instrumental. When something happens, when you have destruction to your house, you're in a vulnerable place. And so sometimes we don't always think clearly when we're in a vulnerable place. When you hire a professional to come in, like myself, like you guys, we know how to properly document. We know how to get the proper engineers involved. We know how to communicate that information to your insurance company. And we know how to help make you whole again, which is, that's the point of insurance, is to try to get you back to normal. All right. What's what's the common types of losses that you normally deal with? And then how do you assist in that process? So I'm glad you asked that. I'm actually still dealing with some Hurricane Ian claims and individuals that have lost their houses. It took months to get insurance payments. Even, even a house that had a tree on it that was completely destroyed, it pulled a block wall down. Uh, we had insurance adjusters from the carrier say, tarp it and move back in. Trusses destroyed, blocks destroyed. I had an engineer on site in, in a week and documentation that houses were not habitable and they were still trying to get them to move back in. So having that documentation helped a lot. Having that professionalism, you know, helped them get the, the claim processed. It's sad. It, it has gotten a lot harder. Uh, Mark and I have been doing this a long time and it seems like every single year they just make the bar even higher and higher. Um. You know, there's something else that we want to touch on with you that I think you wanted to get out there. Can you tell me about your role and diversity within the construction industry? 
Absolutely. Glad you asked. So for those of you who don't uh, know about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, my company is a licensed LGBTE business entity. There's only 50 of us, 50 of us in the country that are registered. So we represent a very small segment of the construction industry. Uh, we promote diversity and inclusion. We want everybody to be involved. Uh, but, you know, there are still challenges in our industry and other industries for individuals being represented. So I'm out there. Uh, I'm a founder of the Pride construction coalition to help help advocate for lgbt diversity and i hope that we don't need these initiatives in another few years but right now we do so that everybody can have an equal shot well that's pretty interesting so what do you mean there's only 50 companies that register themselves as diversity uh, the dei uh... yeah absolutely Absolutely. So uh, the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce conducts an interview with companies, and there's probably about 2,000 total companies, but only 50 in the construction industry. And those are companies that are owned by LGBT individuals. And so it's a process of verification, uh, and it helps them with presenting themselves to individuals that are looking to hire diverse talent. Awesome. And they, and that, so people can find you on particular websites that that's obviously less competition there than other places, right? There are. You know, I always say it comes down to skill level, but it doesn't hurt that you're getting, you know, diverse representation. Uh, you know, even here, I've had colleagues in the construction industry be told that, hey, we know you're gay, but just don't tell any of our clients that. That's still happening. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Well, and I can imagine sometimes people might feel more comfortable in their own home if they have somebody who comes in who understands because, you know, if, if you have a person from a particular type of lifestyle it just is they don't know who they're hiring they don't know where they're showing up they show up to a job and then they're just like whoa you know they did water and oil and you know it's not all just about hiring lgbt contractors it's just about uh recognizing that it's another community segment it's another client base and how you address it so that it's not a shock when you walk in and see two guys talking about a kitchen layout or, or two ladies talking about their bathroom it's just okay this is another family this is a client a potential client. We want to sell the business and give them the best service we can. That's really what the diversity is about. It's like, hey, can we can we just give the service equally to everybody? That's right. awesome. I really like that. Yeah, I would I would think um, being in the being in these specific groups or um, being in the national program, um, your that helps with your networking efforts. You're you're meeting other like minded folks and. It's just another form of networking. What else do you do to network? So I have, uh, I'm a member of BNI, Business Network International. I'm actually heavily involved in that. It's great for the trades. Uh, if you can find a local chapter, it's excellent for painters, for electricians, for plumbers, uh, for adjusters. Uh, it really gets your name out there in the community. Uh, I am a member of the Tampa Club, which is a city club here in the in the city of Tampa. Uh, beautiful views from the 42nd floor of the Bank of America building uh, with people from all different professions that, that attend events and, and networking there. Uh, I do public speaking, a lot of volunteer work, as I mentioned before, and launched the Pride Construction Coalition. Uh, and I, I just try to get on the community and say hello help where i can and you know i had a great breakfast this morning with somebody that's extremely interested in affordable housing and they come from a medical background and want to get into housing and so it's kind of neat that that i'm able to discuss this with other professions that you wouldn't think you know what would a medical profession have interest in housing well they do 
every profession has interest in housing right now. So I could be the contractor to help them bring their their network, their fruition, their dream, you know, to uh, to fruition. I'm sorry. And so uh, it's kind of cool. Oh yeah, and that's a great uh, testimony for for networking. And you, we're both in different BNIs. We have we actually have five adjusters in five different BNIs just in the Jacksonville area. And so obviously we're, we're big believers in that as well. And I'm in a number of, of other networking groups. Uh, Tampa Club, is that a civic organization? Is it just a business networking? What, what is that about? It's a private members only club and it is targeted more towards business members. So it's, it's open to anybody that applies and, and pays the initiation and membership fee, uh, but it's designed to be where the Tampa professionals connect. And so, a lot of our organization, a lot of our, our tradespeople, they don't get out and network. They just, you know, they're great in a house. They're great repairing. They're great renovating. They feel a little uncomfortable putting themselves out there. But so many of us don't network that when the few of us that do network get out there and are seen constantly, you get calls. It's ridiculous. How many calls from people you met weeks ago, months ago? I have no idea who they are, and they'll give you a call. And and so, you know, to our profession, please get out there and network. Say hello. The, the community needs your services. Uh, and the Tampa Club is just, you know, another one of those elements to work on larger scale projects. Yeah. And then they wonder why, why their phone's not ringing or why they're not getting as much business as they want. I, it's, hard, it's easier for him to get out and do it. It's, it's a lot harder for me. I'm more of a introvert i guess when it comes to those kind of things but but that's okay because I, yeah. I don't do it just for me you know i do it for the for the office for for everybody and just to get the name out there yeah. and uh so so and we don't need you know maybe we don't need multiple people going to the same groups um you know so i i do something i do a lot of similar things to you in the, the public speaking and the community involvement and the other things that i have I'm fortunate enough to have the time to do to get the name out there to always take a take a picture or a little video and to put it on social media so that people can see us out and about in the community. Yeah, I do a segment called Tommy's Travels now with all volunteer work or whether I'm dining with somebody and meeting with another trade, meeting with other BNI members. And I always hashtag it on my LinkedIn profile and it's become relevant. People are like, okay, we kind of know Tommy now. And then they start to put me synonymous with construction or God forbid another hurricane hits. We, we know another hurricane is going to hit. Who are they going to call? They have somebody that they know and feel safe with to, to give that conversation. People want to do business with their friends. And, and our trades people, you know, when they get out there and just start saying hello, they remember you. They know you and they know, hey, I've, I've got a person for that. That's pretty cool. That's separate than your regular LinkedIn or that's a, it's on the regular LinkedIn page? It's on my regular LinkedIn page. Yeah. Tommy L. Whitehead, you can search me. I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty findable. Yes. <laughs> that's pretty neat. So, you know, since we know that you do lots of different types of renovations, I'd like to get into describing why it's so important to have a licensed GC instead of just, hey, I'm going to pick this contractor, that contractor, and try to put the puzzle pieces together. Why don't you give our audience a little reasons why it makes sense to have licensed GCs like yourself work for them? Absolutely. So first of all, there's an experience and testing requirement that's verified by the state. There's insurance and sometimes bonding requirements, credit requirements. These are all processes you have to go through to obtain that license. As a handyman, there's some great individuals out there, uh, renovators, there are great individuals out there, but they don't have that obligation. 
uh, certain contracts can't be enforced unless they're directly with a contractor. So you may have some issues with contracts where you signed with somebody else that is not a contractor and you may not be able to enforce that contract. Uh, it, it gets challenging. Uh, you have less repercussions if you have uh, less availability remedies to you if you have a vendor that's not licensed by the state. Uh, it's, you know, it's buyer beware. You've got to be careful who you were dealing with. Contractors aren't the cheapest, but there's a level of insurance and expertise. And if we're not performing, we have a threat to our license. You could, you could report us. If another individual is not performing, yeah, you can, you, you know, you can report them, but what, what are the consequences for them that there aren't any? Uh, and that's just a sad truth. So people come out, pay large deposits, and then these individuals disappear. You know, you can find me. <laughs> you know, the state can find me. Uh, Joe Handyman, they cannot. So, you know, protect yourself. It's usually your one of your largest investments, and why wouldn't you take extra help, extra time to verify who's working in your home? Yeah, I right. agree. And so um, what's, the, what's the cost to hire a residential contractor, or and maybe even what's the cost not to hire a residential contractor? So... Contractors charge based on usually time and materials, and so each project varies. You know, so if we're stepping into a, a bath project, I like to say if you want a really good bath project, budget at least $15,000. If you want a good kitchen project, budget at least $25,000. Look at your options, what you want to do. Not hiring a contractor can definitely be cheaper because there can be like, you know, I can I can get this less expensive. I can install this from this and that from that. Well, they're probably not using the best quality materials. I don't necessarily go to every box store to buy my materials. I have specific suppliers that prefer better quality uh, materials that they sell to me. You know, when getting into pricing, you, you want to be buyer beware of it. Is it too good to be true? Hey, I can do that kitchen for $2,000. Really? Well, I mean... <laughs> How can, you know, I might be able to install a pantry for $2,000. I probably couldn't even do that. So is it too good to be true? Are they asking for a 75% deposit up front? <laughs> uh, you know, how many times have we seen, and I'm sure you have, have seen this before, of people giving large deposits and they trust and they believe, and then all of a sudden you never hear from an individual again. What should the deposit be up front? Uh, I think that uh, it is an industry standard. And so it depends on the structure and the size of the projects. And yes, I do take deposits up front, but I make them marginal. Usually they're no more than 25%. Uh, quite frequently, if it is a planning phase where maybe it's like a project that's six figures, uh, it might be that there's a smaller deposit just to get through uh, permitting and engineering. And once I get through permitting and engineering, then that's when the first deposits come through. Uh, but anything over 30% is is suspect. You want to be careful, unless you're something very specialty or custom. Like, for example, windows, you know, that's a very custom project. You have to measure out. There's several series that you have to go through. And once you pull that order, that order is purchased. It is no halt, stop, or return. So you will see a couple industries that have higher deposit requirements because of that. Windows. I got to get windows myself. I'm dreading it. <laughs> Give me a call. It's, it's a referral. We should have done this a, a month ago. I, I, we, we needed a sliding glass door for a while. And uh, when I joined the BNI, there's a guy in there and they, they specialize in, in windows. And so I'm getting finally after 20 plus years, we're going to, we're going to get the new sliding glass door. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you won't know what to do. You'll go to open that door and it'll come flying open because the wheels are so new. Exactly. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's the problem. There was a, it, it, it's really just in the track. There was a divot in the track when we bought the house 
And it's really hard to open the door and kids cannot open it or close it. And it's, it's a real pain, but we tried to get this done years ago. And every time we had a door ordered, it was broken when it came in the box. And we, we sent it back three times and we said, that's it. We threw our hands up and we were so frustrated. It, it's been another 10 plus years living with that stupid door. <laughs> well, hopefully you got an impact door so you don't have to throw that the shutters off. That nightmare gone now. It's right? Okay. We'll see. It hasn't been, it hasn't been installed yet. <laughs> I'm still freaking out. <laughs> uh, I realized as I'm uh, my company's expanding, as I realized that I'm I am a, not a sales guy. I, I can always close a deal, but I'm not a sales guy. I'm a marketer. I empathize with people, especially these two people that that they lost their houses. I mean, I, they've already ran out of ALE before construction started. I, I I mean, my heart is bleeding. I take their calls at six, seven, eight o'clock at night because they're the only two clients I'll do that for because I know they're violated. It's like they were raped. It is horrible. Uh, so I, I have an emotional stake in it now when, when I deal with these things. Um, I've got two hurricane claims right now. One of them was with UPC, and they're still trying to figure out how the hell to get that claim in. And they need to have all the drywall gutted now at this point and everything redone. And I, I know they've got, we'll call it growth, because I, you know, I don't qualify for that. But we know what it is. It's going to be in that house. It's got to go down to studs. We're going to have to be out of their house for a few months. They can't even get started. I have another one, same thing. There, there. Um, it might be builder defect, uh, but it could. But it was started with a hurricane, and then each each are pointing to each other. Insurance is pointing to builder. Builder's pointing to insurance right now. They get a public adjuster. Somebody's like, "Oh, it'll be twelve months," and then they're not responding. And I'm like, <laughs> so they call me, and I say, "Well, I'll talk to your adjuster, but I'm not going to step on their toes if they contracted to do this." You know, obviously, I can't adjust a claim. You know, I can I can write estimates and I can work with your insurance companies to justify it. And I've been really successful doing that. But I said, you know, I'm not going to step on their toes by going around them. I said, if you can cancel with them and that's between you, them and your attorney and you need help, that's fine. If you want written estimates for repair, that's fine. I'll help you where I can. But we're still still doing with this stuff. And Ian was 10 months ago now, six, seven, eight, eight months ago, eight, nine months ago. And, you know, for sure, you you are a salesman, um, not only for yourself, but for many other companies as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to have relationships with guys like you. Like, I want to meet more adjusters. Can I argue back and forth with an insurance company? Yes, but I don't want to. You know, giving up 10% of what I would get, you know, that's fine. I mean, because ultimately, I got to fix the price with them or help them out. But then I come across a guy that $50,000 for one tree removal, and they don't have enough to rebuild their house. Wow. $50,000 for a tree. In comparison, I had an impacted tree in a house and removed six massive trees for, I think I charged the client 20 and only paid 18 maybe. <laughs> I've had tree guys tell me, the insurance sent me, I have to do this, you need to give me approval. I'm like, mm, no. They get the homeowners upset. The homeowners are like, are, we have to do that. Nope. No, you don't. That house is coming down. We're destroying that house. Why are we going to pay him 50 grand to crane this out of the house when we're about to collapse the damn thing? I said, let's wait until it slows down and deal with it then. And I'm glad they did because they would have been under budget to, to get their house too. I, wow. I, I yeah. Cannot... You're thinking about it the right way. Yeah, it's it's a strategy. I mean, I work with these large investment funds like Zillow and Offerpad and Open Door. I've done I've literally been in thousands of projects. We were doing 300 renovations a month at one point. And um as a project manager, I was on that side. And so I know how to get in and out of a job. I know how to value engineer. I know how to think logistically about it. 
You know, I'm not paying to have a, a septic tank craned into the back of this house I'm rebuilding until I knock down the house. Then they don't have to get a crane to hoist the damn thing in <laughs> because they can just drive over and not screw up the forms or anything else. They'll put the, put the tank in before I build the house. You know, it's just about the order of operations, but all those guys, they only care about their piece and what's easiest or most profitable for them. And they ignore the project. So I tell my clients, I said, you're going to get these calls. And I said, this it's going to happen. But you got to trust me. That's why you hired me. I've been here, the one answering the phone. So, you know, go around me and it's just going to hurt you. But that's interesting. Yeah. You're, you're thinking more about these things in a different way than people who have been in construction for 20, 30 years. And you're fairly recent real or relatively, you know, recent to it. Yeah, I definitely, I, I mean, I'm working on a deal right now. I'm, I've got, uh, I'm trying to start a private equity firm. I want to do 50 new builds. Uh, I want to do a build to rent program. So I'm talking with a ton of investment companies about that and just using that value engineering. I'm not like the builders. They can't get into build to rent because they want to build these 2,200 square foot houses. That's not a rental house. They have their comfort zone and profit margins, and that's what that makes sense. When you get into a rental house, it's 1,600 square feet, a 3-2, a 4-2. Uh, it's designed for a family that doesn't have the cash to you know, buy a house, but still needs to be able to get rent. You know, I call it affordable, 2,400 bucks is what's considered affordable now, uh, or at least market. So I figured out that with the connections I have now with the, with the Tampa Club, with BNI, with everybody else that I've met, that that's my passion. And then I do a ton of nonprofit work and I get calls like you wouldn't believe just from speaking and just from volunteering and collecting 200 pairs of shoes for foster children and just the cra crazy stuff I've done. And it's I don't pay for marketing. <laughs> I have a PR company now to get me out there. But but yeah, it's it's been I can't believe the number of people I've seen in construction that fail at it. I can't believe they fail at it because it is complicated, but they just don't put themselves out there. How many people tell me they're too busy for BNI and next month they're bitching because they don't have money coming in? I'm like, that's because you're not sitting there every week. You got to keep them visible because we may not have anything coming in from BNI for three months, but the first hurricane hits and who's going to get a call? I'm going to get millions of dollars of business from BNI if a hurricane hits the state. <laughs> that's part of why I'm, and it is. It's yeah, they they know. Today was my presentation actually, and I saw a bunch of uh, yeah. They all wanted to see disaster photos and numbers. They want to see disaster photos and numbers. And I said, here's what they started with. Here's what we ended with. And they're just they're all blown away by it. Uh, so I I was talking to our health insurance guy that did his numbers and and it did his presentation on Tuesday. And it's paragraphs and paragraphs of text. I said I gave him some pointers on using examples and stories rather than raw data. But I said. It's easy for me to say that because I show a, a destroyed picture and a fixed picture. It's all ooh and all. Everybody wants to see that. I actually do a Lego building activity when I do my presentation called Building Relationships with Your Contractor. And in my eight minutes, I put um, a small Lego building out and you have to build your own version of a house as I'm giving my presentation. So I keep them, I keep people interactive and entertained with what's going on instead of staring at a slide. Um, but I, but I have an easy product to work with a pretty kitchen. Yeah. You know, a 1980s mobile home kitchen that turned into a brand new renovated one. You couldn't even tell it was a mobile home anymore. Uh, those are, that's easy to sell. It's easy. <laughs> Talking about life insurance rates. That's pretty damn hard. If you, if you do it now and Becky dies at age 42, you can roll over to an annuity and whatever. <laughs> right. That's for uh, sure. You, you were not built for that other business. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> 
Well, all right, Tommy, this has been really nice. Tommy with Tomco Solutions, a licensed uh, residential contractor. Tommy, why don't you let our audience know how they can get a hold of you specifically for projects that they have in mind for you to do? Absolutely. They can take a look at my uh, corporate website at TomcoSolutions.com. Uh, they can find my LinkedIn profile and connection and contact details at Tommy L. Whitehead uh, or TommyWhitehead.com. You know, I really try to make it easy for you to get in touch with me. <laughs> yeah. I look, for, I look for Tommy Travels, right? Tommy's Travels is so much fun. I've done some cool philanthropic efforts, donations, charities, business networking, uh, hashtag Tommy's Travels. I always post it on LinkedIn. It's quite the, quite the little journey you get to see. All right. Well, thanks again, Tommy. Thanks, everybody who listened to this episode. If you yourself or you know anybody you that uh, might be good as a guest on Property Pros Podcast, please reach out to us. You can find us anywhere. Podcast are loaded, Spotify, um, Google Podcast. We have a YouTube page and a Facebook page for Property Pros Podcast. Thanks again, Tommy. Thanks for everybody for listening.